Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Recalibrating the Scales. I'm your host and Chief Executive Resolutionist, Normia Vasquez-Scales, at your disposal. Horses navigating unexpected waters. Welcome back yet again, my dear listeners. Has the season been as utmost eventful for you? Has it been for moi? Recent events from unanticipated career shifts, romantic interaction, to business expansion have spurred me to very concisely speak upon the topic at hand, none other than, drumroll please, yes, the unexpected. We're talking about opportunities cascading out of the woodwork on one day and outright vanishing without a trace the next. Real talk, literally. Hence, let's explore shared findings on the subject without further ado, ladies and gentlemen. And here's a fortunate find. Let's go ahead and commence diving in. And this is a finding on, um, it's titled, it's Inc, pardon me, Inc.com, Inc.com. Five steps leaders can take to navigate unexpected change. No one can predict the future, but there are things you can do to prepare for and navigate through it. And this is written by Christopher Kemper, founder and CEO of Palmetto. All right, ladies and gentlemen, so a per the author, abridged, of course, that is, people are inherently averse to change. Yet here we are in uncharted territory where the only constant is change. So we're in the midst of a global pandemic and an economic downturn. Many are not only worried about their health and that of their family and friends, but also the health of their jobs and checkbooks. So how could business leaders have seen this come? This actually is what motivated me to, um, to feature this episode because the change that which had befallen me, um, yes, in the romantic realm, very unexpected, welcome, yet unexpected, uh, coupled with um, career. So what could they possibly have done per the author to prepare for a global health crisis at the scale? That's the thing about crises. You don't get an advanced warning. However, just as buildings are designed to withstand earthquakes, you can build your business with a strong foundation to absorb the impact of change with fewer shockwaves. If you are an agile organization, one that can adapt quickly to change, you may even find that opportunity comes along with change. So here's number one. Number one, start with who you hire. Okay. If you want to build an agile organization, vet candidates on the front end for the desired characteristics, 
big thinking, flexibility, independence, and self-motivation. While you hire an employee for a specific role within your company, you're really hiring for the person and their mindset because work functions and roles can and do change daily or weekly, especially in this this thing uh, called uh, times of uncertainty, ladies and gentlemen. Number two, remember, you have to be adaptable too. So this can, let me just, just as an aside, ladies and gentlemen, so this is the author's advice, but this can be applied to, uh, you know, well above and beyond exclusively work and career, as you well know. So as a leader, sometimes you have to roll up your sleeves and do the dishes, and other times you have to put on your captain's hat and take charge. This is especially important when a crisis or unforeseen challenge gets thrown at you. That's when you need to create a scenario analysis and lay out a plan for course correction. Equally important is knowing when you need to oscillate back to trusting your team or your circle to manage the goal at hand. Third piece of advice is to communicate well, exceptionally well and often. In times of uncertainty, over-communication is paramount. From a leader's perspective, that often includes not only communication with your team and customers, but also with your board, investors, and shareholders. Ensure that you are timely and responsive to questions and concerns. If tough decisions need to be made regarding furloughs, unemployment, layoffs, perhaps, approach those conversations with clarity and empathy. In the true spirit of an agile organization, stand-ups, which are brief, brief daily meetings, are a very, very, very instrumental way of keeping the team connected and afloat and focused on the task at hand, and to quickly identify blockers. Fourth piece of advice, maintain a focus on morale. Morale is an important factor in employee engagement and productivity. So when a crisis hits, as we've experienced, it's time to double down on your team's needs. Again, this is where having a well-rounded employee engagement strategy before the crisis strikes is critical. So during times of uncertainty, leaders should become more involved in day-to-day processes. To do this, schedule check-ins with teammates to get a pulse on how things are going, the good, the bad, the ugly, Revisit the employee systems and processes you already have in place, such as employee surveys or incentives to ensure that they're working and adapt them as needed if not. Fifth piece of advice, focus on obtainable short-term goals. Sounds like smart goals to me. When we consider climate change, the big goals are 100 years out. If we focus only exclusively on those goals, However, we would quickly get off course by bringing it back to a five-year goal. We can reverse engineer how to get to the big goals, how to accomplish them easier, okay, with ease. So this method of small and large goals is spelled out out in a business plan that is our quote-unquote North Star, from which we roadmap each quarter. By focusing on the now or the next 90 days, especially during times of crisis, you can further break down your larger goals, your um, more prominent goals, into executable tasks that employees can own. It offers a sense of satisfaction and alignment 
that they contributed contributed to the big picture. So amid change and uncertainty, it, it all comes down to why your mission matters. For the author, it's climate change mitigation. So they can't imagine doing anything else. If you and your team buy into the mission of what your company's doing and what it stands for, you will find the perseverance and conviction needed to get through tough times and whatever's thrown cast your way. So voila, voila, ladies and gentlemen. Um, from the board, from the, from the classroom to the boardroom, this is a fortunate find by Nancy Silberfleit, co-CEO of Archie Comics. So 15 years ago, the author's days were dedicated as a longtime elementary school to art teacher, art instructor, helping to engage young minds, fresh, sprightly minds through creativity and personal expression. Her husband, Michael Silberfleit, was the proud chairman and publisher of one of America's most iconic and beloved international comic brands, Archie Comics. So never in the farthest reaches of the author's imagination did she envision herself taking his seat in the boardroom, but that's precisely what occurred. In 2008, Michael, her husband, passed away very unexpectedly, and she was faced with a choice, a choice uh, that she'd seen at the time as unfathomable. So Michael's 50% of the two family-operated RT Comics share were left to the author to preserve. However, there was a force that somewhat demanded that she sell it. It was now her decision whether to assume Michael's role or to sell his half to the company's other family. So well, that did not happen, and suddenly she blazed the path to make what she thought, what she anticipated, as being her first foray into business. So navigating an unexpected career change. At first she thought, what on earth would an elementary school teacher be doing co-leading a company like Archie? She discussed it with friends, family, herself, self-dialogue. Friends thought she would be eaten alive by wolves for some reason. Uh, she didn't see she didn't see wolves. She just saw uh, beloved orange-haired, that beloved orange-haired, freckle-faced Archie Andrews, and stories filled with love, humor, and poignant messages. So on March 28, 2009, she said, yes, signed her name on the dotted line, and became co-CEO of Archie Comics, signed her John Hancock. So looking back, she can say in hindsight that she was signing a document that would eternally change her. The self whose heart Michael Silberfleit knew, Michael always called her, called his lady in over, called called her his lady in overalls. So what else would an art instructor wear? Today, she can easily make a connection between classroom teacher and co-CEO. She realized that all of her collective experience as a school as a school teacher prepared her exceptionally well. In fact, to transfer her skills. So teachers constantly multitask, they lead groups, serve as advocates, engage dialogue, and advance minds, just like a CEO of a company. So let's not forget, educators often navigate very challenging political terrain, and she is in a family business. 
So her entry, her segue into the company was not, it was, uh, it was a bit um, turbulent. And for some people, some people were actually perplexed as to why she would make this decision. Why didn't she just take the money? Well, money doesn't equate to integrity. She took Michael's place in order to ensure that the integrity of what he constructed was maintained, sustained. She abruptly became a strong advocate for literacy promotion, continuing to educate. As an art instructor, she She'd been in the business of educating minds for 25 years. She already understood the value of graphics as a tool for literacy and personal expression and thought of all the children she taught over the years. If she were leading a company like Archie, how could she use her position to continue to help students reach their goals? Much to some people's surprise and perhaps chagrin, she decided to trade in her, t- her teacher shoes and step right into the big professional shoes Michael left her to fill. As her role developed, she became the spokesperson on the educational side of Archie Comics. She participated regularly in library and school events around the world to assist students, teachers, librarians, parents, and understand the value of comic books. It was during her educational visits. She coined the phrase, comic books plus children equals reading. So comics comics are a fantastic tool for gaining a love of reading. Students relate to characters, which opens them to express their feelings and concerns. She assists parents understand that comic books guide young people toward gaining skills, like archiving and investment. So through the power of collecting, comic books also assist readers who may be learning a second language. The comic books are a complex literary read. The more she delved into the business, she came to appreciate the characters, the characters in the comic books. So they're easy for readers to identify with, and representation is essential. She decided to create a character named Scarlet Salty, who is of Filipino-Irish descent, loves architecture, relishes it, and is also autistic. So Scarlet has become a cast member who helps facilitate dialogue around diversity inclusion, and anti-bullying. So, so far, she has four issues uh, starring Scarlet, featured alongside Archie's most famous characters like Betty, Veronica, Jughead, and of course, Archie himself. So many fans, um, they speak to her often about the company's hit television show, Riverdale. It's so exciting to her to hear how how much people not only relish reading Archie, but hearing about how the intergenerational reach expanded because of the series. So children who watch River, Riverdale rush out to buy the comics, and parents who grew up on the comics can relate to the show. One woman she encountered shared that she knew her grandchildren were downstairs watching Riverdale. She'd heard the show was different from the classic, but she wanted to be cool, so she intentionally planned to go down and sit with them. She shared that she fell in love with the show and her, and her experience with the classic has created an added bond with her grandchildren. Drawing conclusions. There is no reason for a person not to explore uncharted territory and find a new career path. It may be challenging, but it can be extraordinarily rewarding. 
uh, she, the author would never have guessed in a million years that she would be globetrotting, traveling the world, sharing the Archie brand while assisting uh, others to engage and engaging so many people with reading, literacy, diversity, and social issues. She learned long ago to block negative noise from naysayers and to keep pressing, to keep pushing forward because our readers deserve to have the co-CEO representing them and listening to them in real spaces and real time. So she decided to be accessible so that she could be a change agent, helping others harness their own superpowers through the vehicle of comic books meant that she needed to find her own. So she took the leap that sound carpe diem leap of faith and stuck it out. So she's not looking back and she has no regrets. Yes, she bravely traded her teaching shoes for boardroom shoes. Turned out to be a perfect fit. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not going to go ahead and belabor this, this episode. I hope that you extracted some substance you know, from these shared findings and that you can apply and implement them accordingly into your daily regimens. I'd like to also take this time, as always, to applaud my behind-the-scenes team, Bradley, and all of your unwavering support over the years, coupled with all of your listeners magnifying throughout the world. Please bear in mind that this radio show and movement does indeed factually rest on your very broad shoulders. So, until the next episode, this is Normia Vasquez-Scales, signing off.